Welcome to another episode of Consider This. My name is Justin Ebert, and I am in the studio with the Reverend Drew Henderson, one of the ministers at Sunnybrook, James Allen Johnson, and also my dear friend, Ryan Vincent. And we are discussing the topic of what to do when your kid doesn't want to go to church on Sunday. And maybe even broader, how do I know if my life is actually committed and oriented around Jesus? A huge topic that we've had a lot of conversations about over the years, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, here we are, and we are talking about what it looks like to help our families who have kids who don't want to go to church. Had a lot of these conversations lately, and this is this is why we're here, right? To help our people disciple um, their kids. In part, we want to be an orange church, and this is a big part of that because we all know things don't always go as planned in this life. So... Um, let's just dive right into it. Our first question is this. What causes kids to not want to go to church? And maybe let's start by defining what we mean by go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, we, we say this often, but it, it deserves to be underlined. It's more than just a Sunday morning worship service, although that is a, a, a critical and essential component. The gathering with other believers for worship but i think it's a it's a life shaped by worship and discipleship in a community of people so you can flesh that out as taking many things that's that's attending the regular worship services on sunday or youth group on wednesday but it's it's really being involved in the fabric of the body of believers and so you know that that involves kind of ongoing life on life experience so going to church what what i think we're asking people to to or what we're questioning why people don't want to do that it's why why do i want to live a life detached from the people of god is probably a better way of thinking about it It, it, at least that's that's how i think about it so everybody thinks their way is right yeah but (laughs) uh, but i yeah i i think it's interesting that i think that's how we think about it and I think that's how mature believers think about it. But um, when I've had, and I've had over the years, a lot of parents say, my kids don't want to come to church. What do you do? Do you make your kids go to church? What do you do? Mm-hmm. They're not talking about being involved in the fabric. Like, they're not even yeah. thinking about that. What they're really describing is more of what you're saying we don't want it to be. They're they're almost always asking me, um, hey, it's it's hard to get my kids up on Sunday and want to go to church. Yeah. Um, and so you have those years in which it's really easy to get them to do it because it's fun. And then all of a sudden there are things that are more fun. So, uh, you know, that's the part where it gets a little more complicated. So I think it's A, Ryan's definition is clearly the right definition of what we mean and how, how we should think. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stop and say, okay, but when, not when Ryan and Rachel ask, hey, how do we, if Ryan and Rachel show up in my office and say, hey, how do we get Matthew more engaged in the church? They're thinking fabric. They're thinking soul and his heart and his desires to love Christ and be obedient to Christ. Um, 90, maybe 80% of the people that are asking me that question are going, my, they're literally saying, my kids don't think it's fun and think they have better options. How do I convince them that this is a good option? Yeah, or literally Billy and Susie have Tommy, and Tommy just doesn't want to wake up on Sunday. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Or Hang he's on. tired after school it's on Trevor. Wednesday. We always use the name Trevor. I, I'm the Trevor, Trevor guy. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor and Susan. Tommy. It's always Trevor. I always wonder if Trevor Givens thinks you're talking about him specifically uh, because Trevor. that is your generic guy name. But 43% of the time I am speaking <laughs> literally of Trevor Givens, which okay. I love. Love you, bro. Yeah, we do love him. So tell us just real quick, go around. Um, are you someone who grew up in the church? That's Drew's phone, by the way. Actually, that's Trevor. He's calling us. <laughs> do we have a, a scam? Scam likely. Mm-hmm. Hey, we should ask them if they want to go to church. <laughs> Hold up, wait a second here. Did your phone literally say scam likely? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I've never likely. seen that. I've Mine never. I've never seen that before. Yeah. I guess I don't have scams. Drew's um, possible Nairobi uncle <laughs> was just on the phone while we were on a podcast. Yes. Air, I have no idea if this is even going to make it into the podcast. I hope yes. it does. Steve, oh, yeah. it's it's easier to just leave oh, it. Yeah. Okay, the editor is saying yes. So we anyway, have, we just should have <laughs> invited him to church. Um, <laughs> tell us real quick. Number one, did you grow up in a home that went to church? And if so, did you ever struggle with this personally? Like, I just don't want to go. And what caused you to like get past that? All right. So that's yep. a lot of question. And then number two, we'll come back around to this after we've answered one. Have you ever dealt with this with your kids? Okay. So first one, personally, if you did, how'd you get over it? Sure. Um, first of all, preface by saying this is not beer. It is clear American. If you're clear watching American. the video, I'm sure there's about two people that are watching this on video wondering if this is a beer. It's clear American. And if, if I if, do burp, Steve will edit that out. Okay. That's okay. great, great beer. This is an Acts uh, 2 moment for yes. everyone. Wow. Are they drunk? It's not even 10 in the morning. It's not beer. No, nope. This is clear This is American. now officially a digression. <laughs> yeah, it is. From That's the phone the call to the, the to the point. Okay. It's devolving. Uh, so I didn't necessarily um, grow up going. So I we attended maybe on holidays, uh, whether it be Christmas or Easter, family type events and that kind of thing. Um, I think the difference for me is when I saw that, um, like I can like some of my early memories. Um, I can remember my dad. We would have out the church bulletin, right? And so he would open up the church bulletin and. It was just kind of fun because I can see how, you know, you ended up, end up doing this. But we would do, like, the first thing, the prelude, and he would write, he'd do a check right next to the prelude. And then we would go down through the bulletin, like, check one, check two. Okay, we're out of here. And Oh, during the service? During the service. How it followed the service. Oh, wow. So like, awesome. a, like a terrible a business countdown. meeting. Uh, he's done yep. talking. And let me tell you, it was definitely boring in my eyes. How um, great thou art. Yes. Done. Here we are. Finally. Done. How do you, uh, how do you put a check? Check beside how great thou art. You know what I mean? That's pretty bad. So um, that that's I can remember that. I think the the thing that really I don't know. Well, God obviously opened my heart to what was going on. Someone invited me to a church, and I heard someone that actually was reading from the Word of God, and I clearly uh, was able to see from the beginning, like, wow, people here are, obviously are not perfect, but they really believe this, and they're willing to arrange everything in their life according to really to this book and so obviously not a a church of perfect people but uh, i could see from the outside looking in at least at that point that um like you were talking about ryan it's the how do you like involve everything that you are into this how can i be a part of the community how is the word of god shaping us and then at that point 
thinking this is this is real and this is potentially life changing. Well, it is, and kind of had to make that choice. Um, am I going to kind of like end up following Jesus or or not? And so, um, I think that that's the big question. What we're talking about isn't necessarily. It does involve like being here on a weekly basis and going to a service. Uh, worshiping the Lord together with other Christians, but it is more of a rearranging your your life around the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think when our kids, obviously our kids are smart, they watch us as parents and as adults, and they see what mm-hmm. we arrange our lives around. They, yeah, they know that. True. They're not stupid. That's true. And um, so it shouldn't be a surprise whenever we see them wanting to rearrange around certain things uh, where they've learned that. And so I would be the first one to put myself in that boat of yeah. not perfect in this. But um, that's what we're talking about. It, it's not necessarily just what can I do to get my, oh, no, I'm freaking out. We found better options, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like way much uh, more deeper than that. Yeah, I think we're going to come back to that that last one later the fact that kids recognize what we arrange our lives around yeah. is a huge part of this conversation so yeah um yeah you know it's it's interesting i do remember a specific sunday i've told the story lots of times where i chose to skip church and pretended i was sick kind of like i missed a school day kind of a thing and i remember that one encounter and i remember that one encounter my dad telling me um, he knew what I was doing and just kind of said, hey, son, your mom and I have made a decision to follow Christ, and these are the implications. Um, I must have already accepted Christ by that time because he kind of told me I had accepted Christ. Um, and I would have been old enough that they let me stay home by myself, so I was probably 12 or 13. And he just kind of looked at me and said, so you're going to have to make a decision whether or not you're going to stay on or not, and just closed the door and walked out. Um, now, I don't know what he would have done if I would have went, yeah, I don't think, I think I'm out. I don't know what that would have been like. But I do remember him leaving and me kind of thinking about that. And I wasn't even trying to make a statement. I just thought it would be kind of cool to stay home and just kind of run around the house by myself. And so um, for the most part, and I grew up in really boring churches. Um, there was no piano. There was no, everything was a cappella. Um, my youth group was me and my sister. So, I mean, I mean, literally, like I had no reason to go to church other than God <laughs> and a love for him. And so I remember I remember um, being in those services. I remember um, being formed, actually, in a lot of those things. I really remember, uh, and again, I'm thinking about those times when I thought it wasn't fun, right? So junior high, high school. Um, I never remember not wanting to go. And a lot of it, I think, just had to do with the fact that, like, I believed in God. Um, I believed in Jesus. I wrestled with obedience to him and what that was going to look like. So it's not like people just say, oh, yeah, and so you never re- – no, I wrestled with how to live obediently to him. I wrestled with that all through high school and college. And I still at some level, right, we all wrestle with it. But, I mean, wrestled with it, like failing consistently, giving in to temptations. Um, uh, but I never remember, like, church being an option for me. I remember um, just believing that uh, gathering – being involved in the fabric, actually – um, I guess I never questioned my involvement on Sunday morning, kind of the really what people are saying mm-hmm. um, was never an issue for me because I was involved in the fabric. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's a deep connection there. Mm-hmm. So That's good. That's good. Um, I want to come back to the, you talked about it being more about your love for God 
than about something else. And it had to be that because if it was about fun or entertainment, you would have chosen some other thing. And, dude, I was all about fun and entertainment. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. It's not like I was like, yeah, Jim was really not about fun and entertainment. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've not met. Mm-hmm. I was all about fun and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll talk about that. I grew up um, loosely connected to church. I mean, family went. I'm, like my grandfather was a pastor, but I didn't live in his city. So, But that, that in some sense shaped kind of this is what we do. <laughs> but... I grew up in a divorced home, so I was never even in the same city two weekends in a row, much less the same church. And so I was, it, my, my, my family was affiliated with church, but not involved in the fabric. Yeah. Um, so Sundays inconsistently were something we did, but it was never something that I really cared about. It's just, I was, this is what my family did. And I, I could stay home if I wanted to. And, but I was a morning person, so I might as well, <laughs> you know, I'm not... But so I, I didn't really get involved in church until I would say that I became a believer at 19. And then I had this whole world to figure out. I was, I was actually yeah. in, in Stillwater um, at college. Um, so that was, that was a new experience for me because I, I had to learn something that I had never really seen modeled. Um, and that was to engage in a community of people not attend not just attend the events they like and that was that was something i trial by fire figured it out over time with a lot of help from a lot of people but so i didn't have like the um i i didn't have the canyon and sophie lifestyle growing up where where the doors are open this is what we're doing it was more sundays when convenient if we're not traveling or have something else to do or I don't have a baseball tournament. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, you know we did that that kind of life. Yep, mine was similar. I think I I always remember loving being here. Like I loved being. I don't ever remember thinking I don't want to go today. It's Sunday. Don't ever remember that. I loved being here on Wednesday nights. I would even in high school, after football, after baseball, I would shower and get here because I loved it. My mm-hmm. best friends were here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You had a lot of good friends. Right. I had a great group. Still great friends of them today many of them in ministry and so that's that's a little unique but which is the weird part of that is it was an attachment to friends and the enjoyment of the experiences over mm. the Jesus mm. I had an attachment to good things that were not Jesus and it wasn't until I was 20 years old that I started participating with Christ mm-hmm. in the body because mm-hmm. of my love for Jesus and my desire to give everything up to follow him, which means rearranging my life around that, which means as a follower of Jesus, I worship with the body of Jesus mm-hmm. every Sunday. And I, even my family, I, I don't even blame a lot of my family. We, um, when we were gone, we, a lot of times we went to a church where we were at, right? And so they had a more a kingdom mindset in that, but my life was arranged around me and what I wanted. Right. And so if there was a baseball tournament, I was going to be there and I was coming because I liked the people here. And so that was a unique situation. And truly, it wasn't until I had an attachment to Jesus overall that that changed. Mm-hmm. So back to our original question, we'll come back maybe to the to your own kids experiences throughout um, the causes of why kids don't want to participate with the body of believers on a Sunday morning. Um, what causes that? Um, one of the first things we want to talk about is the rearrangement of our lives around Jesus. Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, 
why it can be a big problem for specifically teens um, to not want to go to church because either they see something different in their parents or they choose to because they've recognized like drew there's something genuine here well i think i think before we even get at arrangement let me let me take one step back i think it's just fair that we get really really honest and say um most people don't like to read because it's boring (laughs) and most people don't like to work out because it's hard Mm -hmm. and most people don't like to get an education because it's expensive and it's hard and it's and it's boring Right. Like most people, the vast majority of people, they don't do those things. And so I'm looking for relationships that are exciting. And so I change girlfriends all the time. I'm looking for um, hobbies that keep my um, my imagination kind of running wild. And so, I mean, that's kind of the natural way in which we kind of slide towards. And so before we even start talking about church, you know, I had one out of my three children who enjoyed reading. Um, and one loved it, and the other two had almost no time for it whatsoever. And I just kind of said, yeah, but but in order for you to be a grown-up and in order for you to engage in life, reading is something that you're going to need to do. Um, I My kids going to school was never really an option, but I understood it. Most kids don't want to go to school. There's a few that, that want to go. Um, well, some want to go for their friends. But the majority of kids, if they could, if they said, hey, would you rather have summer vacation or would you rather go sit in a math class? They would say, I don't want to sit in a math class. Your favorite class is yeah. recess. Yeah, recess. Right? Yes. Or, 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 or PE, right? Yes. So those are the two favorite classes. Um, so I think it's just good to just even begin to say um, it is a natural thing. So when someone tells me that they struggle with going to church and when someone tells me that they really struggle with reading the Bible. I look at them and I go, yeah. So I want you to know, first of all, you may you 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 still have a spiritual problem. <laughs> you still have a, have a desperate need for Jesus, and and part of just a human. I, I don't even know if it's brokenness. I, I think it is part of the human condition. Whether it's not, it's even sin. Is just that we kind of slide towards more of a path of least resistance. Path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So it might not even be sinful. I know guys who love Jesus who will tell me straight up, "Yeah, I don't read the Bible all the time," um, and and so I say, "Okay, well then we got to try to find some other ways." I mean, first of all, I think you're gonna have to deal with that at some point in time, but then beyond that, like maybe there are some other ways in which you can, you know, hear and and listen and respond to the Word of God. Reading in terms of en masse, is a new phenomenon anyway. So it's not like back in the Old Testament, everybody had a library of books in their home. So the concept of reading for spiritual formation, personally, personally is personally yeah. is a really, really, really literacy is a new phenomenon, global phenomenon. Yeah. So I think it's it's good to just stop start saying that if your husband, and it's most likely men, are really having a hard time coming to church, so just kind of expanding a little bit, there might be some spiritual issues, and it might just be because it's what we're. I mean, I don't want to use the word boring, but it definitely is out of the. It's not a golf game, and it's not an OSU football game, um, and so it 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 is different. It's inconvenient. Sure, it's not comfortable. You know, or in many most cases. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a demand on your. I mean, honestly, if a, if a good if it's a good sermon then it's challenging you to change your life. A lot of people don't want that. Um, if the, even if I would even say, like if, if, the, if the songs that we're singing to God are good, um, there is a mixture of conviction 
um, and inspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, even so. even uh, the vast majority of preaching books that are coming out these days. I mean, I haven't been in a preaching class in a long time, but the books that are coming out these days, they they almost all have a chapter on the decreasing attention span of our people. Sure. A lot of people are like, I don't want to sit there for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And pay I, attention. And honestly, even in our own staff meetings, it's not uncommon that we have a couple particularly that love to go, man, could we shave off more time? Mm-hmm. And I get what they're saying. They're not saying that they don't want it. They're almost speaking for their people. Can we get this down to like... And so, you know, pretty soon we'll have a worship service that'll be under five minutes for your convenience. Yeah. So that's a, that's a human issue. And and then, so where do we do that? Like, where do we, where do we say, yeah, I know it's hard or I know it's difficult. And so it's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I think sometimes we put too much uh, even weight or expectation on conversion to do it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've always believed in Jesus. And yet there were days where if you were to ask me, would you rather go see a Miami Hurricane football game or would you go want to go to a worship service? There have been times where I would be going like, yeah, I'd rather go to a Miami football. That sounds like a lot of fun. Sure. So I, I think that's I, I think there's something yeah. that needs to be at yeah. least acknowledged in that whole thing. So parents aren't just feeling like I've got the worst kids in the world or my husband is terrible because he's wrestling with this. Yeah. No. I would argue it's not it might not be terrible, it, but it might be just immature. Immature. Yeah. I think there's the reality that there are a lot of things in this life that God is not necessarily asking everyone to stop doing that are okay things. Sure. Things like going to a game, you know, or playing a sport or travel. Like, there are things that are okay. They can become sinful, right, Um, if we orient our lives around them over orienting our lives around Christ. But inherently, God isn't necessarily, he can be asking someone, but isn't necessarily saying you have to stop doing this in order to follow me. It's this reality that we do seek the mountaintop experience over the mundane, ordinary life following Jesus. We do seek the quick microwave kind of spirituality yeah. over the slow road of becoming like Christ. And we do seek um, the path of least resistance yeah. rather than the difficulty that it can be to be reshaped and reformed and reorienting our lives. So I think yeah. that's So really I think, helpful. yeah, I think before we get to because I think the arrangement issue is, is probably even the most important issue. But I think before we start arranging, we say, what are we arranging it towards? And yeah. we're not really arranging it towards ice cream. We're really arranging it towards a, a very healthy, sustainable meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not ice cream. But, yeah. you know, when you really are a healthy person, it can taste like ice cream. Mm-hmm. But you got to be healthy first to yeah. appreciate it. So we, we, we're using this phrase a lot, rearranging our lives around Jesus. And for us, we know what we're talking about because we've experienced it and we've seen it and we try to teach and lead our people through it. For those that are outside of it, it's a phrase that, okay, that sounds great. Help. You still haven't helped me. Yeah. What, what do we mean by rearranging people's lives around Jesus individually as a family? And like, how, how do I do that? How do I how do I do that with my family? Because it feels impossible. It feels like an impossible weight. Oh, well, I want to make sure that we do our best to answer this not as pastors, although some of that's inescapable, mm-hmm. right? A lot of my vocation shapes some of these things for me. Um, mm-hmm. But trying to detach from that, for Rachel and I, it has. Um, and so this is just, these are examples of how it's working itself out, not prescriptions. But for Rachel and I, it's, we make 
you know, we, we even had a great conversation the other day um, deciding what does it mean to both disciple my family and not place it above the kingdom? And uh, it means that I think it's to my family's benefit. It doesn't always mean it's to the, like, the easiest path, but I think it is to our benefit to make all of our decisions with the kingdom in mind. Those are financial decisions. Those are um, how we're going to arrange our schedules. That's how we're going to educate our children. That's how we're going to um, open up our home to other people. It's how we're going to do all these things. And so what I, what I say, having the kingdom in mind, it's, it's not always what we naturally want, but we believe it's what um, living a sacrificial life in obedience to Jesus looks like. So, um, for example, we, like we need to buy a new car, right? We got, we got a third kid coming and Rachel and I have had a lot of conversations as to what does it look like to what, what's the right amount of money to spend? What's, what is reasonable? What is, and it's and so funny. We turn around and we say, wow, we have not discussed preferences and wants in a while. It's more like, I don't know. It, it can be difficult to describe it. You know, I'd almost need like a real conversation to happen real time to just to maybe give an example. But Well, behind that is ask, a big part of this is asking the question on a regular basis. What's the kingdom decision in the midst of this thing, right? How, yeah. What is this a... Is this a decision purely outside of uh, the kingdom, or is there a way in which we haven't thought of how we submit this to the lordship of Jesus in our life? And we think, oh, those are only the big decisions. No, I think there's also a lot of small decisions we make throughout our lives that orient our lives towards something, right? And so you're saying you have regular conversations, maybe not necessarily every day, but you have regular conversations, intentional conversations with your wife, with your children, about what it looks like to sacrifice for Jesus. Yeah. What is the kingdom decision being made in the Vincent home right now? Yeah. Like, for example, a recent one. I'm gone for two weeks. I come back. My very pregnant wife is tired. And yet, um, two days after I get back, we're having a neighbor family over for dinner because we felt that that was something we needed to do to demonstrate the the love of Christ and to to make to continue to build a relationship with his family and <laughs> leading up to when they got there and then after they left my wife is dragging but one of the things that I love is that she is committed to no this is something that we're we're not talking preferences and I'm even going to enjoy them while they're here but I it's it would be so much easier to just say ah I don't really need to spend a lot of time investing in the people that I live around and, and building kingdom relationships with them, I'd rather order pizza and go to bed early. I'd like, I'd like all that. But I was just, I was really, I told her I was really proud of her for, for putting kingdom above comfort. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is probably for a lot of us, we have, we have this, if I were to put two categories, comfort and preferences mm-hmm. or comfort and desires, we, we like to sometimes elevate those things above kingdom and they don't always have to, you know, be in conflict. So in a brutally practical way, if a parent comes in and says, my kids really don't want to come to church, help me with this. Cause they're asking a legitimate question. I don't think they're complaining. I think they're asking yeah. a legitimate question. One of the things that I love to just get to the point is, is like, what are the non-negotiables in your family's life? Like what would be the non-negotiables? And if, if being involved in the fabric, not coming to church on Sunday morning, that's just part of it. If being involved in the fabric, if that's a non-negotiable, 
then 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 I, I think that that will be an easier battle to go through because you still will have a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so when your kids don't want to go to school, what do you do? Do you go to the principal and say, my kids really don't want to come to school? Like, I've never had that conversation. No, no, no. School is a part of it's one of our commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, my kids really don't want to um, to continue with band or to continue with baseball. I mean, literally, I've had kids not want to play baseball. Um, and then I've had parents like literally think it's the end of the world that their kids don't want to play baseball anymore. Yep. And so what are the non-negotiables? And to, to literally sit down and say, like, how much is being involved? Because you were talking kingdom not going to church on Sunday. So we seem to be assuming, and I'm a little bit concerned that maybe our listeners are kind of missing what we're just assuming again. And what we're assuming is, is that is, is kingdom focus. Like, and that's what we're saying, arrange it around. And so if somebody comes and says, man, my kids are having a really, really hard time with this, it might not be a bad place to start to just do some self-evaluation and going, do my kids recognize that this is a non-negotiable or is this actually negotiable? Right. Is being involved on Wednesday night and Sunday, is that a negotiable? I think what people probably struggle with, and when I say people, I mean the Henderson family, is we struggle with what it means to be, to reorient your life around something. And especially when it comes to the gray areas. And Justin, I can remember you and I kind of having a little bit of a fun discussion at the uh, Harley, um, like diner or wherever we eat on our staff retreat where you know we're talking about what does it look like for a family who's following jesus um and it 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 seemed when things are easily organized like it's very the, the decisions are pretty easy to make when life isn't complex Okay, and so when life becomes a little bit more complex and there's more gray areas, Mm -hmm. so there's um, a sport that comes on the scene or there is a activity that comes on the scene and now we're having to figure all of this out and then you're having to try to figure out in your head, how much does this really mean to my kid? Mm -hmm. How how much is this like the thing? How much does that mean to me personally as a parent? And where does my mind go with that? Um, is it an idolatry thing for me potentially? Now, I don't know if that means you need to quit it at that moment. I know that at that moment, you, there needs to be a light bulb that comes on in your mind, and you need to see that in your kids when you see that as this is now um, a big, big deal for them that maybe they can't handle. Or they're not handling it well, and so maybe I need to help them navigate that better. Or maybe I need to navigate that better for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, whenever I was preaching on uh, Acts 15, this whole idea of concluding. They, 16. They, 16. Um, yeah, that was just a couple of weeks ago. What's no, chapter 16? Yeah, what's 16? Yep. Yeah, no. So I, the whole idea of, of concluding and, like, what does this mean? Well, there's the communal element to yeah. this. And yeah. so yeah. when we're trying to seek out God's direction and uh, keep the church and Jesus and who he is at the center of what we're doing. And when there becomes gray areas, I need to go find community, uh, people that can speak into my life and help me see blind areas, things that I'm not seeing. Um, not that, and, and with the very intention that we would keep Christ the center, not that we would make better choices or that I could obtain this or my kid can obtain that so that we keep Christ at the center amidst all of the gray areas and the complexities that that begin. And I think that's where parents, families probably struggle the most is, is navigating the things when it gets complex. Mm-hmm. Either you just 
quit or you sell out one way or the other, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and yeah. I don't even know what that means sometimes selling, right? So, uh, yeah. It just gets more complicated it when you have kids who aren't attached to yes. your hips. They now yeah. have their own opinions, yeah. and right. sometimes those are competing Jobs. with either you yeah. or competing with yep. what you feel like is the identity sure. of your family. Well, and, and think the other thing that is really important is that we, you know, I, I hear parents say this all the time. My kids decided they wanted to play trumpet, and so they're finishing their commitment. Okay. Um, did your kid decide to accept Jesus Christ? Yeah. Okay. Finish their commitment. Which, again, is so much bigger than showing up on Sunday morning. Yeah. But it involves showing up on Sunday morning. So one of the things that I um, never really had to do, but um, uh, in terms of, like, going to church with my kids, but I was constantly reminding them of their commitment to Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this is where parents I have seen really drop the ball. His parents are going, my kids don't want to come to church. Okay, great. So when you talk to them about um, about their understanding of who Jesus is and what it looks like to be obedient to him, tell me how that conversation goes. And then they're like, well, what do you mean? No, yeah, okay. Well, now I know exactly where we're at. So they don't even see it as a connection. Like a lot of our parents, um, good, I mean, probably even believing parents <laughs> um, are really wrestling with this. And they're going in their own minds already – Either my, myself or my husband, and now my child, are be, are followers, but not are believers, but not followers. They're kind of following into the beginning parts of that rut, right? At best, so, really immature. At best, really immature. But they're not thinking that. They're not going. I'm 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 immature. They're going. I've got my salvation thing taken care of, mm. and so now I'm just kind of doing my own thing. And they don't really see like the go gather and the grow, the being involved outwardly, uh, missionally, and uh, being involved in community and growing in understanding of and obedience to Jesus. They don't even see that as what their commitment is. And so when when parents say to me, my kids are really struggling with coming, I'm saying, okay, well then at the very core. It's a, it's a struggle in their understanding of their commitment to Christ. So have you had that conversation with them? And most parents are like, well, no, I mean, they were baptized when they were eight. Okay, no, I, I, that's not my question. Now that they're 12, what are you saying to them about what their, what their commitment is going to look like? And it's so weird. And I guess in, in some sense it's simple. They so easily understand what it means to stay committed to the trumpet. Yeah. But when it comes to Jesus, then it becomes this really nebulous, like, I, you know, just think about it. Imagine if your kid said, Dad, I'm still committed to the trumpet. I just don't want to play it, and I just don't want to be in the band. I'm just going to kind of have the trumpet in my room, you know, just for later. Like, that's not the commitment that we signed up for. Once I need it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, or once I feel like it. Like, that's not what a commitment to something actually looks like. You can't be on a baseball team and do that. You can't be in a band and do that. You can't go to school and do that. You, mm. you, you cannot do anything in life and do that. And so at the very core, it's not, well, you're going to church as long as you're in my home. I mean, I don't think my dad would have ever said that. I don't think I would have ever said that. I would have gone to the very core. Um, and if your kid looks at you and says, yeah, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't want to follow Jesus. Now we've got another question. Mm. But if they've made a commitment, even when they were eight and now they're 16, then I would I would look at my child in the eye and say, are we abandoning that commitment to Jesus Christ? Because you, you're not just pulling out on a Sunday morning. Um, very seldom it is not just pulling out of one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be selectively going to, like, the fun things. Like, I'm sure you guys see this in the youth 
area particularly kids that come to the fun events mm-hmm. and then and, and maybe even loving come to Sunday school because they get to hang out with their friends mm-hmm. and eat donuts um, which by the way I'm, I'm nothing wrong with having fun with your friends and eating donuts I don't even think we should change Sunday school I just think as parents we've got a responsibility to help people see um, that as not just individuals but as families we go gather and we grow mm-hmm. those are three expressions of what it means to follow Jesus. And if your kids don't want to be involved in the fabric, then take them back to their commitment to Jesus. And think about it yourself. Are you actually a committed follower of Jesus? Or do you have the mentality of, I made that decision already, so I'm good? That's a huge first step for you out there. If you're listening to this and wondering that, you you need to self-evaluate. And then ask yourself the the follow-up, are my kids actually followers of Jesus? Have they made a decision to follow Christ or not? And that helps you have the next conversation. Uh, And it depends on their age too, right? I I can't talk to Canyon who's five, six, and say, are you following Jesus? Well, not yet. Okay, you're going to stay home today. No, I can't just leave him at home. I I have to bring him with me. Hey, I understand understand you're not. We are. So this is what we're going to do until you either make that decision one way or the other. Yeah. A huge part of what you guys, all of all of you, have been saying, is about identity. Who are we? Okay, who are we as a family? And, and the way you know is by asking what Jim said. What are the non-negotiables of our family? Yeah. And so, a really practical thing that you families can do out there is sit down as a couple and talk about the question of what are our non-negotiables? Like, actually, what are the actual non-negotiables? And yeah. then you can make an ideal <laughs> what you think the non-negotiables should be, but also have that conversation with your kids because they may point some things out that you may not have seen. Hey kids, like when you think about our family, what are we about? Like what defines us? Who, who are we? What are, what are non-negotiables? It might be a a little tough. Either they may not know what you're talking about or they may say some things that you are a little embarrassed by, which is okay. Well, and think about it this way. This is why, you know, it's, it's, I know why you and Drew are asking these questions because you probably deal with it a lot. You know, parents that are genuinely wrestling with this, right? And they want help. Um, we see this all the time. We see people as they're disengaging from church. Like if we were to say they don't want to come to church, what do they, what do they not want to do? Okay. So for example, is church a time for you? Yep. It's 930 to um, uh, 1045, including drive time there and back. That's, that's church for me. Okay. Yeah. That's easy to give up. Mm-hmm. Like that's even easy to say no to. Okay. What is church to you? Well, church is also like my friends. Like, think about it. Like, um, if I didn't work here, but we just, we're all buddies, and I decided to not come to Sunnybrook, now all of a sudden it's really weird when we get together. Hey, what's going on? Oh, you're doing something. Okay. Um, what do you? Oh, you guys going on a mission trip? Oh, okay. I hope you have fun. And now all of a sudden it's really, really weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, so is it? Is it? Do you lose relationships? So is it a, an event on your calendar, or is it? My, my kids would not have known. And, and I, I don't think much would have changed. I, I think I know you guys well enough. Not much would have changed. You probably would have gone to fewer things, but you would have still been going, gathering, and growing if you're not in full-time ministry. Hmm. Fair? Yes. Yeah, you'd be very involved. So think about it. Like, my kids would not know, even know how to dissect that from our lives because it's not just a Sunday morning thing because then the life group is, is, on, is on Sunday night and Wednesday we're serving in this and mom's a Stephen minister. Those are all things that we're not doing because we're in ministry but because we're Christians. Yeah. So my kids, when, when, if they were to start thinking about how do we dissect this from our lives, it was so difficult for them because it would have completely restructured our family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
completely, in, including the most significant relationships. Our most significant relationships are not I mean, some are so take all of you guys out of the picture are other believers here at Sunnybrook. I said to my son, I don't think we're going to move from here because our closest friends, unless the Lord calls us, our closest friends are here. Mm -hmm. And we see it all the time. When people, adults, begin to kind of disconnect, they, yeah, we're not going to life group anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're not going to that Bible study anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're not going on that mission trip anymore. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden, it's just one step away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a disengagement. And so I love to ask people when they like, hey, my kids are really struggling to go to church. Well, what are they cutting out? And if they're cutting out like a time, then yeah, that's that's something you might want to rethink. And when we talk about that, we're we mean um, the true significance of being a part of all of those things. Yeah. So it's not well, you know, we lost all of our relationships and we did so much that we wouldn't have anything to do anymore. No, this was what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ yeah. and to be connected to the body of Christ. I know that's what you mean, but yeah, no, that's, good. I mean, that Underline to clarify, that. yeah, that's, clarify, that's what Underline we mean. It. It's sure. It's, it's not about being busy, but it is about being very connected to and involved in the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. I, I guarantee you, I've said this and I know all four of you or all three of you, all four of us, if we were to be fired <laughs> right now, um, we would probably be at church somewhere Sunday. Like, I really, really would. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it would not change my commitment to Jesus. Um, so I'm, yeah. in, I'm in ministry because I'm a follower of Jesus, and right. I'm going to be doing this, and so it might as well kind of line up my ducks. Yes. Um, but And it's how the Spirit has gifted you, okay? The Spirit sure. specifically gifted you, led you into this. Yep. We can name lots of followers of Jesus. Some people might say, well, you guys are pastors. It's different from you. No, actually, Ryan and Rachel were committed to Jesus yes. and orienting their lives around Jesus before they were on staff at Sunnybrook Christian yes. Church. Me and Debbie were orienting our lives around Jesus before we were on staff at Sunnybrook Christian Church, which is true for this room. We have a whole lot of elders with jobs all oh throughout the goodness. town of Stillwater oh who make their money doing something other than preaching the gospel, and yet their lives are oriented around Jesus. And we know people that are not making job changes because of their involvement at at the church yes. right now that's Sunnybrook but it's their commitment to Jesus they're making vocational decisions based upon church family I mm -hmm. could go make more money have more success if I did this but I'm staying here because of my allegiance to Jesus and the body here yeah and we have countless volunteers in our church and people in our life groups who are doing the same thing yep. and who aren't uh, designated as pastors or elders but they are followers of Jesus and therefore that means something about their identity which leads into the things that they do in their life so um, probably need to wrap up with one last thought from, from you guys. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would be one thing you would encourage or challenge our families at Sunnybrook with, with this message? I would, um, I would sit down with your, yourself or your spouse or even your family and just say, if I were to put my bank statements in my calendar yeah. in front of a stranger, what would they say are my greatest affections? How I spend my money and how I spend my time, what would someone who does not know me look at those and conclude that I love more than anything? And, uh, and, and be brutally honest with yourself. And it can be, I mean, we were talking with some, some other pastors actually uh, uh, last week about a, a great sermon titled um, 
the expulsive power of a new affection or of a greater affection by Thomas Chalmers. And he's dealing with moral problems with like, how do you deal with the ongoing sin in your life? And he says, well, you got, you have to replace your desires for, with sin, with greater desires for holiness. And much like anything that's worth doing, it takes time to get good at it. And it took a long time for my, um, for, for me to learn to love the body of Christ and to to tie myself into it such that now, like your kids, I don't think my kids would understand life apart from the, the church. And I'm not talking about the building, life apart from the body of Christ. Yeah. That's it's not like that. You have to you have to discipline yourself and then over time it's like you learn to love water, <laughs> it's good for you. You learn to love the body of Christ. And actually I don't think it's that hard. It does. It just does take time. Um, I would say, uh, if you really care about this, get help. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really, really, really want to make sure that your family, including yourself and your spouse uh, and your children, um, see the body of Christ and connection to the body of Christ as a real important part, um, a, an integral part of being a faithful in, in your commitment to Jesus Christ, then when you begin to see uh, signs of uh, removing yourself or signs of a not being affectionate about being involved in church community life, um, then you need to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I need some help. I would think if you are struggling with your kid wanting to go to church, um, I would do your best and as much as we want to downplay the value of friendships and uh yeah they just have a bunch of good friends there like that should not be the the motivational factor as to why they're coming um but i clearly believe and have seen over a long period of time that god uses relationships specifically (laughs) uh in the life of teenagers in a very very big way yes and they can shape things big mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so I would do whatever it would take as a parent to put your kid in, in environments where they're developing relationships with other kids who are seeking to follow Jesus Christ. And and if that means you driving them all over town, mm-hmm. all of the time for them to mm-hmm. be with them, do it. Mm-hmm. Do it without a doubt. And I would not apologize for that. And then when you see those moments where uh, I just think um, last week, Uh, high school camp we had my middle child came back from camp and was uh like it seems like um i kind of the first time i really thought that i really needed to read the bible and pray to god and i said oh you know i think we've been talking about this for 16 years now or however long um so we kind of laughed but yeah i took the opportunity coming back from that i said hey let's let's do that bought him a journal we went to lunch cost me money and my time well worth mm-hmm. it that moment doesn't mm-hmm. come along very often exactly. so when those moments come use it and and exploit yeah. it for the gospel for sure so don't downplay friendships at all and they're very very valuable maybe the first time i've started to cry on a podcast right there love you drew and your love for your family and many oh, students yes. in Stillwater over the years um, i also love it when you do the blake voice Uh, We will abstain from that. (laughs) Um, My last thing would be uh, sit down with your spouse um, or with yourself if you're a single parent and ask the question of what is my life oriented around based on what are the non-negotiables in my life based on my calendar, based on my checkbook. Um, And as you look at that and honestly evaluate, does that match up 
with a life that is submitted to Christ, a kingdom-oriented life, a life that is sacrificing for the gospel, for the cause of Christ. If it's not, then what do you need to change? If you don't even know what that means, talk to one of us and we'll walk you through a gospel and try to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. And if you have kids that are old enough, get them involved in that conversation and then ask, if we want to be committed to Jesus, what does this need to look like? Well, and I'll tell you, it's fascinating because we can, I'm not on Facebook a lot and I'm never posting on it, but I can tell what parents care about. But just look at your Facebook post. I mean, I, I think checkbook and uh, calendars is number one, but the new version of that is Facebook. Like yeah. I can tell um, that you may love Jesus, but man, your kids are great dancers. Or you may love Jesus, but wow, your kid is a really good athlete. Or you may love Jesus, but wow, your kid is phenomenally gifted at robotics. Or you may be, and, yeah. and so it's really interesting how band uh, government. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's lots of different, and all of those things are not bad things. Morally neutral. The, they are. They're, they're, they're good things. So you just have to ask yourself, why are my kids and why is my family so good at this? Yeah. And yet, in terms of like some of that commitment and that obedience to Jesus, how did that get on the back burner? Yeah. Maybe we need to have a follow-up podcast all about St. Augustine's concept of disordered loves. So <laughs> It would be fun. It would be fun. Well, thank you all for listening with us. And until next time, have a great day. Cheers.